Today, Israel is sleepwalking into fascism, and it is not and should not be controversial to say so. The question that raises itself is whether Israel has a Jewish supremacy problem. We've always spoken about Jewish self-determination in the context of the State of Israel, but we are now at the point where Jewish supremacy in the State of Israel is determining the nature and functioning of the Israeli state. Former Prime Minister Ehud Barak has said this government shows signs of fascism. The mayor of Tel Aviv has warned that Israel is headed towards a fascist theocracy. And Israel's leading newspaper is publishing editorials expressing concern about what they've called Israel sleepwalking into Jewish fascism. It's official now. Fascism is us. So let's take a closer look at some of the people who constitute this new Israeli government. Bezalel Shmotrich of religious Zionism is the finance minister and minister in the defense ministry who lives in an illegal settlement. Shmotrich is a notorious racist and a Jewish ultra-nationalist. He describes himself quite proudly as a fascist homophobe. Then there's Ben Gavir of Jewish power, previously convicted in Israel of incitement to racism and supporting a terrorist organization. Ben Gavir lives in an illegal settlement in Hebron. Ben Gavir's mentor, Rabbi Meir Kahani, established the Kach movement. This is our country, it is not theirs. I want the Arabs out. They must go, that is the message, they must go. He was committed to the use of specifically Jewish violence to effect such changes. If I were the Minister of Defense, there wouldn't be one Arab left here. I want the Arabs out, out, out. Are you encouraging uh, your people to go out on the streets and to attack Arabs as has happened in it? I call upon the Jews to do anything imaginable and anything possible which will encourage the Arabs to get out of this country. Does that mean attacking? Anything possible. I want to out alive, and if not alive, dead. Kahani's views were so extreme that the U.S. classified Kah as a terrorist organization in 1997. And Kahani was the inspiration for Baruch Goldstein, another settler from the Hebron settlements who murdered over 20 innocent Palestinians in cold blood. Goldstein's portrait still hangs in Hebron, on the wall of Itamar Ben-Gvir. Ben-Gvir is now in charge of the police in the occupied territories. Orit Strock of the Religious Zionism Party is the National Missions Minister. She is yet another leading member of the settler community in Hebron. She said, doctors shouldn't be required to treat patients when it contradicts their religious beliefs. This is like a cabinet going back to the dark ages, a government of settlers, settlers who live on illegal settlements across the occupied Palestinian territories. And it is explicit government policy that greater Israel, which includes the Palestinian territories, belong to Jewish Israelis. The idea of Palestinian territories, of a Palestinian homeland, is total anathema to this Israeli government. As early as 1948, some of the world's greatest Jewish thinkers were already asking questions about Israel and the specter of fascism. In a letter written by Albert Einstein, Hannah Arendt, author of the extraordinary book 
the origins of totalitarianism. And 26 other prominent Jewish intellectuals in the New York Times on the 2nd of December 1948, they describe Menachem Begin's political party Herut as a political party closely akin in its organization, methods, political philosophy, and social appeal to the Nazi and fascist parties. A party that preached an admixture of ultranationalism, religious mysticism, and racial superiority. The letter specifically warned, today they speak of freedom, democracy, whereas until recently they openly preached the doctrine of the fascist state. It is in its actions that the terrorist party betrays its real character. From its past actions, we can judge what it may be expected to do in the future. Herut was the main right-wing party in Israel from 1948 until 1973, when it merged with other right-wing parties to create Likud. In 1993, Benjamin Netanyahu became leader of Likud. As Likud leader, Benjamin Netanyahu demonized the then Israeli Prime Minister and Labour Party leader Yitzhak Rabin for signing the Oslo Peace Accords. In 1995, Ben Gavir, the Minister for National Security responsible for the police today, appeared on television brandishing an ornament stolen from Rabin's car and proudly declared, we got to his car, we'll get to him too. A few weeks later, Rabin was assassinated. The death of Rabin led to the death of the peace process. In 1996, Benjamin Netanyahu became Israeli Prime Minister for the first time. And what he set about doing was the creation of a whole new generation of far-right extremist political leaders in Israel. They included people who have now served under him as cabinet ministers, such as Naftali Bennett, Gideon Sa'ar, Ailet Shahid, and Avigdor Lieberman. All these people came to prominence and matured politically under Netanyahu's wing of the Likud party. And they all went on to form their own far-right political parties and movements. Despite constant scandal, Netanyahu has been re-elected prime minister on six occasions. In 2023, Netanyahu presides over the most right-wing Israeli government in history. Einstein was a Zionist. He was supportive of the creation of the State of Israel. But he was, as he expressed in that New York Times letter, deeply concerned about the sort of country that Israel could become. And it was up to its leaders as to whether it was going to become a democratic, tolerant nation or whether it was going to descend into dark fascism and totalitarianism. Israel is at best a partial democracy, but Jewish Israelis do have full democratic rights within the state of Israel. Benjamin Netanyahu's overhaul of the justice system, of which he describes himself as a victim, will fatally undermine even that 
democracy in Israel. Justice Minister Levin proposes curbing the powers of the judiciary, including allowing members of parliament to enact laws that the High Court has struck down. This will allow parliament to pass unconstitutional legislation. Levin also laid out a law that would empower the country's 120-person Knesset to override Supreme Court decisions with a simple majority of 61 votes. יש לזה כל מיני שמות לצורת שלטון כזו, דמוקרטיה זה לא אחד מהשמות האלה. זו אגדה שמה שהם עשו פה עכשיו זה מלחמה באקטיביזם השיפוטי. מה שהם עשו פה עכשיו זה לבטל את המערכת הדמוקרטית הישראלית. The obvious thought that arises is whether Israel's decades of illegal practices against the Palestinian people are now coming home to roost. Whether Netanyahu and the country's most right-wing government in its history are taking the sum total of those decades of oppression, brutality, and illegality, and starting to apply it to Israel's own partial democracy. And it reminds me that my old friend Archbishop Tutu spoke in the South African and the Israeli context of how oppression not only destroys the oppressed, but it corrodes and ultimately destroys the oppressor too. Part of my own concern for what is happening there is in fact not what is happening to the Palestinians, but it is what the Israelis are doing to themselves. I mean, when you go to those checkpoints and you see these young soldiers behaving abominably badly, they are not aware that when you carry out dehumanizing policies, whether you like it or not, those policies dehumanize the perpetrator. I'm Jewish. I'm the son of a Holocaust survivor who survived the war in Vienna, hidden in a cellar for three and a half years. She lost dozens of her own family at Auschwitz and Theresienstadt. And I grew up very much with the knowledge of the real consequences of racism. In addition to which, as a South African committed to non-racism in the country of apartheid, I became very involved with the ANC from quite a young age when it was still a banned and illegal organization. I then landed up serving as an ANC member of parliament under Nelson Mandela. I was invited to speak at Auschwitz by the Auschwitz Institute, and I introduced the first ever motion in the history of the South African parliament on the Holocaust. As the son of a Holocaust survivor, as someone who was born in a racist apartheid state and struggled against that state, my actions are driven by my Judaism, of which I am incredibly proud. For that to be encapsulated in the actions of a 70-plus-year-old state that doesn't represent me is appalling and abhorrent. If my family history of genocide has taught me anything, if my years struggling against apartheid in South Africa taught me anything, it is to always speak out in the face of injustice, regardless of who that injustice is committed by and who it is committed against. And today, we have a responsibility to call the state of Israel as it is becoming a fascist state. Given the importance 
of global conversations about peace, about racism. There has never been a time when independent media is more important. So watch Double Down News and support Double Down News on Patreon.